Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hello and welcome to Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. I'm your host, Alex Grodnick. Today on the pod, Jeff Woods, who runs the business behind the best-selling business book of all time, The One Thing. This podcast is awesome, and you're not going to want to miss Jeff telling us how billionaires set their goals. Quickly, if you want to increase your chance of landing a dream job by over 12x, check out Wall Street Oasis's mentor service and get advice from over 200 mentors that work across all of the top firms. Okay, so a lot of people have been asking me to discuss my journey and what I'm working on now. Outside of the podcast, which is so much fun for me to make, I mean, I get to have conversations with some of the most interesting and accomplished people. I'm working on a startup called Pay Club that, in very simple terms, is basically Venmo for a large group. Right now, what we've built is an app that essentially combines GroupMe and Venmo. You download it, create a group, add people to it, and then start requesting payments. The next screen is what's cool because there's now transparency within the group. You can see who's paid and who hasn't. You can create unlimited groups, and within the group, you can have unlimited charges. Say you're going on a trip with eight friends. Right now, one person tries to collect money from everyone for flights or the Airbnb or a dinner. That one person collecting has a hard and lonely job constantly following up with people to pay, keeping track of it all in Excel, cash, checks, Venmo, PayPal. It's really a mess. By using PayClub, everyone now has transparency into what all the charges are and who's paid all within one screen. From there, we're working on developing a debit card that is directly linked to each group. So you will be able to spend right from the group. No more one person putting that $1,000 Airbnb on their personal card. That's what we talk about as end-to-end transparency. Okay, so that's the product. We're part of a pre-accelerator in Santa Monica that gives us office space, sets up some meetings for us here and there, and then provides a demo day at the end of the six months. What we're working on now is getting a bunch of the bugs out of the app, really to get ready for our real launch come August when school starts. The app's in beta now. It works pretty well. We've done like $50,000 of transactions through it. You can download it and use it. But our main focus is making sure that it can support onboarding thousands of users next month. 
Outside of the development, which I'm not really part of, is the fundraising, which I'm the main part of. I guess I should tell you about the team. There's, there's three of us, and we have a couple of advisors who are also investors. Uh, there's our CTO, Brandon, uh, the CEO, Jason, and me. Brandon's the technical one, Jason has a sales background, and I'm the finance and biz dev guy. Jason came up with the idea when he was at his last company, which was called Just College. That company sold trips to college students, stuff like Cabo Spring Break or Las Vegas music festivals. If you ever did something like that, his company was probably the one that sold it to you. Anyways, when he would sell 30 trips to a fraternity and ask how they were going to collect money from everyone for it, he heard some pretty crazy responses of intricate Excel sheets tracking things and Venmo accounts people were using. And he thought, man, there just has to be a better way for this. Sorry, I, I got sidetracked there. I want to quickly discuss the challenges we're facing. Raising money is super hard. Once we get traction, I think it will be easier, but, but we'll see. I thought it would be easier once we had a product in market, but sophisticated investors not only want to see a built product, they want to see traction, the beginnings of product market fit, and maybe even a little revenue. Man, things have changed from when first-time founders raising money uh, on basically a business plan. That's not how it works anymore. So next month when we launch in all these fraternities, we should get the traction we need to raise money from institutional investors. Oh yeah, that's our go-to-market strategy. Here it is, convincing a fraternity treasurer to use PayClub to collect dues. From there, 80 guys in the chapter download the app and pay the dues, and then hopefully they say, man, this is pretty cool. I can use this with my roommates or for fantasy football or when I go on a trip. There's other challenges too. Believe me, there's tons of them, but we'll save those for next time. All right, so that's where we're at. Uh, I'll keep you updated on our progress and uh, when we raise our first million dollars. As always, I would love your feedback on the podcast or on Pay Club, but that's it for me. Let's get into the interview. Hey, Jeff, Jeff Woods from The One Thing. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Alex. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to be talking with you. I'm a big fan of your podcast and the book, The One Thing. Um, For everyone who doesn't know, what is The One Thing? The One Thing is a book that was co-authored by Gary Keller, who started Keller Williams Realty, the largest real estate company in the world, and his co-author, Jay Papazan. It's now the highest rated business book of all time. It's about the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results, which is that every single day, you and I, we have something in common. We wake up with 24 hours and we have a lot of things that we could do. And extraordinary results don't come from trying to do everything. It comes from doing the things that actually matter most, that will deliver the most results, the the highest value and ensuring that you allocate your time accordingly. Yeah. So this gets to the idea of focus. And, you know, you see people like Elon Musk uh, and Steve Jobs. And I mean, the list just goes on of people that seem to accomplish more than humanly possible. But obviously, as you said, they have 24 hours in the day. We have 24 hours in the day. So what is it that that differentiates these type of people versus uh, just ordinary people? Well, the common denominator is the time, right? It's, it's not how much time you have. It's how, it's how you invest it. And so the, the focusing question of the book is, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? Most people, when they look at what they should do, they say, oh, what do I need to do today? And it's they, a few seconds go by where they don't exactly have an answer, and then they find themselves clicking on their email inbox 
because, oh, well, I got to check email or I've got to be in that meeting or I've got to say yes when my colleague stops by and asks if I've got a minute. The truth is, extraordinary results does not lie in your email inbox. In fact, that, that's everyone else's priorities. That's you saying you don't know what you should be doing in your career if you live in your inbox. What everybody else does is they actually have clarity on where they want to be going and they work all the way back to the point where they have a plan for today and they know these are the handful of things that if I just accomplish these things today would make this the most extraordinary day in my professional career and they allocate their time accordingly. Okay, that sounds fabulous, Jeff. How do you do that? Well, first and foremost, it starts by having a vision of where you want to go. Alex, can we just flip the tables? to you uh okay okay so what are your goals so my goals i have long-term goals and short-term goals but my short-term term goals the actual stuff i'm trying to implement every day basically comes down to being a doer and so this has been one of the main takeaways of this podcast is that you're similar to what you're talking about is that you're either a doer or you're not and i have a startup business we have built this payments app and i have this podcast so my time is pretty busy i have two startups and so every day i have 10 different tasks for each different one and i really have no clue what i'm doing with either one of them but i just put one foot in front of the other and i try to maximize how many things i'm able to accomplish every single day and it's like a bit like what you're talking about of getting caught up in emails and i try not to do that and to try to stay focused, but you know, those things are hard. So, and this is, I'm so glad you went here. Uh, you want to know the difference between how you set goals and how billionaires set goals? Absolutely, please. Yeah. So, if I asked you, and I'm talking to you, the person who's listening, to look back over your life and retrace how you came and arrived at this moment right here, you might think about, well, I clicked on this podcast. And before that, you know, I started working for this company. And before that, I was in school. And before that, I did this. And when you imagine your life leading up to today, you imagine it as a straight line, a series of connected events. Yet when we look forward, things get a little fuzzy. You think of, Alex, you could do this payment app. You could do this podcast. You could hold down your day job. You see all these different opportunities. And on a short term, like this month or this year, it doesn't seem like it's all that different. But if you extrapolate that out over time, you will arrive at incredibly different destinations. It's just like imagine an airplane flying from Los Angeles to New York. If it's one degree, just one degree off course, In the short term, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But if you extrapolate it out across the globe, you're going to end up in an entirely different country or an entirely different continent. The way billionaires set goals is they time travel. You heard me say you have clarity on a vision, clarity on where you want to be someday from now, whether that be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years from now. You have some sense of where you want to be someday from now And you imagine as though you've arrived at that destination and you've reflected back on your life and you ask the question, where would I need to be in five years? Feel like I'm on track for that someday vision. And this isn't going to be that specific. It's not going to be that measurable. That's okay. It's about getting a general direction. And based on where you think you need to be five years from now, you'd ask the question, what would I need to accomplish this year to be on track for my five? That's where things start to get more tangible because we know how to set one-year goals, but now they're informed based on a five-year benchmark, which is informed based on a someday 
vision. And from that one year, you work backwards even further. What would I need to accomplish this month? What can I accomplish this month to feel like I'm on track for my one year? And what can I accomplish this week to be on track for my month? When you goal set to the now, suddenly you have an incredible sense of clarity on the handful of things that you can do that will ensure that you are lining your dominoes up toward a life worth living versus what most people do. They wake up, they take massive action, and they just keep taking action with their head down, but they never really look up and ask if they're going in the direction worth living. Right. So the important thing you're keying in on here is having this strategic direction, having this high level goal and every single day you're working towards it. Uh, and that makes sense. Well, it's how are you going to hit a target if you don't know where to aim? Right. And the, the same thing they tell startups, you know, they say, yes, you can like, you know, break through walls and have heads down working all day long. And it's great that you're doing that, but without actionable goals, weekly goals, daily goals, monthly goals, you know, how do you, how do you even track whether you are being successful or not? Right. One of the biggest challenges I see, we see with people who are starting up companies or doing something on the side is the low hanging fruit. And this was actually going to, it was got cut from the book, the one thing, because otherwise the book would have been like 800 pages long, but low hanging fruit is a distraction. In fact, it's a thief of productivity. Okay. So it would have been this 800 page book, but low hanging fruit is a lie of productivity. When you're just living in the day-to-day, you see that low-hanging fruit, that shiny object, that opportunity to make some quick cash. It looks really attractive. But if you don't have a sense of where you actually want to go, if you don't have a vision for your life or your goals or your business, you don't know whether it contributes to your goals or contaminates it. And for people, the people who are listening to this, many of you are early on in your career, you're going to say yes to everything that's attractive without really realizing that... um, you're not going to end up making any progress. And, and that's tough because as people are early in their career, they have this mantra that they just want to learn as much as they can. And you, know, you have this idea that you don't want to ever say no to anything and you want to put yourself in front of the right opportunities. And you're saying, no, that's not correct. I, I remember having a conversation with somebody. We were um, having a chat with somebody who was starting a business. And they were like, but I've, I've got to take action. I've got to be doing these things. I've got to take every opportunity afforded to me. And we said, imagine that you all of a sudden realized you're treading water in the middle of the ocean and you look all around you and you see land nowhere. What do you do? You pick a direction and you start swimming. But what will happen if every minute you second guess yourself and you go in a different direction and then you realize you need to change course and you go into a different direction and you just continue doing that? What will eventually happen, Alex? Yeah, you're going to drown. You're going to drown. What should you do instead? I mean, you got to pick a course and and go with it. Boom. So the question is for people who are listening to this, how many of you are treading indefinitely and constantly changing course? And how many of you have just picked a direction and you're sticking to it? So there's that. And then there's also, you know, incorporating new data. So what happens if you swim 10 miles and you realize now you're still, you know, further from turning around and going back? That's when it starts to get real. Well, there you go. All of a sudden you see land or you see, you start to learn how to read the sun. Like there's every single day, you're further ahead than where you were the day before. Your perspective changes and you get to, you earn the right to consistently change course. It's an informed decision though, toward a consistent goal. Sure. So this kind of sounds like the, 
the quote of like, you know, not mistaking activity for progress. But, but, you know, a lot of people, especially, you know, when I worked in investment banking, a lot of people like get self-worth from being busy all day long, you know, like maybe, maybe, maybe that's, that's a component of it. Well, you know, that's some mindset work you got to do. I'd rather have net worth than yeah. artificial self-worth. Right? Okay. I like here's, that. Here, here's a perfect example. I've got an executive assistant. Her one thing is me, right? She, she wakes up and professionally, her job is to make my life easier. Yet, I am also the number one distraction to her productivity. So every single day, there are a handful of things that if she just did those, would deliver the most value to the business. And quite often, it's not being in my email inbox. Yet, I need her to be in my email inbox. I'm not saying don't do all these other things. It's a matter of doing them in order of priority. When I walk into my partner, Gary Keller's office, on a desk, there's a piece of paper and in Sharpie, big big letters, it, it's, it writes, until my number one priority is done, everything else is a distraction. How different would your activities be if they modeled that? That until your number one priority is done, everything else is a distraction. Right. And how actionable is that one activity? Is, is that like a weak goal? Something like that? No. It's, we, we believe in thinking big and going small, right? It's got to be something you can do and you got to be able to do it now. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? You can point that at any area of your life, whether it's this week, this month, this year, this day, this hour, for the next minute. You can apply it anywhere you want, but the truth is, when you look at all the things that you could do, if somebody walks up to you and asks if you've got a minute, you can just ask, what's the one thing I can do right now such that by doing it would make everything else easier or unnecessary? Is it saying yes and helping this person or is it doing this big, moving the ball toward this big rock? Right. Okay. Jeff, let's flip the podcast back on you now because that's how it should be. You did this. You left your job and you became an entrepreneur. And uh, so tell us about that journey. Yeah, so I was in medical device sales, which was a lot of fun, and I was making a lot of money, great lifestyle, not having to work a bunch of hours yet. I think, like most people listening to this, I was waking up every day and I wasn't fulfilled. Things were good, but I wasn't fulfilled. And a series of things happened that required me to make a change, primarily my colleague having a stroke at 35 and me realizing that... um, I'm the sole provider for my family. And if that was me who had the stroke, my family would be royally screwed. And the second was my company changed my comp structure and I took a 40% pay cut. So when your bank account starts to get to zero and you've realized that you've got to keep putting food on the table and keeping a roof over your head, something's got to change. Otherwise, you're going to be homeless. So the pain was elevated. And I knew that I always wanted to start a business. I didn't know how to. And I heard this Jim Rohn quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I did something really interesting. I, I actually applied the question and said, okay, who are the five people I spend the most time with? I wrote their names down. And then I asked the question, how many of them are where I want to be? And the answer was zero. Those people are still in my life. They're still dear friends. I have just stopped seeking guidance from them because they are not qualified to guide me. Instead, I woke up taking action to get in relationship with people who are where I wanted to be. And pretty quick, I surrounded myself with successful CEOs and entrepreneurs who started mentoring me. And 
based on the guidance that they gave me every day, I just put what they said into action. And I not only started a six-figure business on the side while still performing in my day job, I earned the right to go from employee to entrepreneur in 10 months. That's incredible. I, that story, I'm sure it resonates with me. I'm sure it resonates with the listeners on this podcast. And, you know, that's a daunting thing, thinking you're, you have a great job, you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars, giving that up, still be, being the sole provider for your family and taking this huge risk. How'd you think about taking that risk? I remember when people, when I was submitted my resignation, people were like, you're starting a business. That's so risky. And my perception was so different. I have an opportunity to partner up with a titan of their industry, somebody who's built a multi-billion dollar company, and have him literally give me his playbook on a silver platter and mentor me directly. Or I can continue to stay in a job that I 100% know I have zero control over my future. They, I didn't get a say when they changed my comp structure. Oh, and by the way, I had to continue trading hours for dollars, and I know that our time is limited, meaning that one day, time would be up and the money stream would be up. What could be more risky than that? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, that's a trade-off people don't normally consider it's like oh i've got a stable job and you know that can very quickly turn into a not stable job correct okay so risk is everywhere take away number one from this uh jeff i want to get into we don't have much time left so i want to get into the actionable ways that that people can you know like it's great to have these goals and have this strategic direction in, in your life what if i'm not really sure what i want how do you start to think about about these big picture items yeah so When you ask a question like, what do I want? You're actually asking a bigger question. When you ask bigger questions, it requires that you find bigger answers. And bigger answers are not the ones that immediately come to your mind. The first part of this is understanding that ask a bigger question and search for a bigger answer. If I ask you, what's your purpose in life? What's the reason that you are here on this earth? The legacy that you want to leave? Most people cannot say an immediate answer. Instead of searching for the answer, they go and check email. They get on social media because they crave that stimulus. Right, they're distractions. Right. First is becoming the type of person who actually searches for the big answers. Ask yourself a big question. I, I do this every day where I ask myself big questions and I really sit and I think about it. And I learned to do that because I surrounded myself with people who do it every day and they're the ones who produce the extraordinary results and make an extraordinary impact. So that's, that's the first part of it. What do you want? Okay. Uh, and the second is tactical because I feel like we've been very high level. Yep. There's something in the book called turning a to-do list into a success list. This is something that everybody can do. If you are the type of person who'll take action, then you'll actually follow the guidance here. I would encourage you to pause the episode to get a piece of paper and just start writing down all the things that you need to do. You'll make a to-do list. The challenge with a to-do list is you treat everything like it matters equally. And what most people do is they look at the to-do list and they identify the one thing that's going to be easiest for them to cross off. And they do that first because it, it feels chemically good to cross something off your list. There's this dopamine release in your brain where it, it feels great, but that's being busy versus actually getting things done. So you write your to-do list, and then we, I would ask the question, and this has happened to me where Gary has done this to me. If you could only do one thing on that list, 
literally one thing, and then you, you have to stop. What's the one thing on that list that would make the biggest impact? Put a one next to it. And should you earn the right to focus on anything else, put a number two next to it. And should you earn the right to do anything else, put a number three next to it. And you put them in order of priority. Then you start acting in order of priority. This simple shift of going from just reacting and doing whatever to acting purposefully in order of priority is one of the most profound shifts that you can ever have in your productivity. So Jeff, you're telling me it, it's not beneficial for me to just check off all the easy stuff first and get all these dopamine hits? What do you think? <laughs> uh, that, that way sounds easy. Your way sounds hard. It's not hard. In fact, it's simple. It's just not your habit. Right. People don't decide their futures. They decide their habits. And their habits decide their futures. That's a quote from F.M. Alexander in the book. Most people have unconsciously developed the habit of reacting. They show up to work, they turn on their computer, and they do what, Alex? They react. Usually by doing what? By responding to emails, sending texts, getting on Facebook, just the same stuff you do every day. Checking email. That's you saying you don't know what you should be doing in your job, so you're going to react to everybody else's priorities. Right. It's about making a shift to having clarity for yourself on the number one thing that you can do that would make the biggest impact and advancing the ball on that first. I'm not saying don't check email. I still check email. It's, it's very rarely. I've built models and systems so that email does get checked. It's just not by me. And I focus my time on things that will deliver higher results. And by the way, this happened before I ran a company. I remember a mentor of mine saying, if you ever want to be a millionaire, you better start acting as if. And millionaires use leverage. They have assistance. And I remember hearing about this wonderful world of virtual assistance and how you could have people that could do just about anything for you for less than 10 bucks an hour. And I remember asking myself the question, can I prove to myself that I can leverage one hour of tasks for less than 10 bucks just to prove that I could do it, just to flex the muscle once? And I knocked that domino down and it led to me having a dedicated virtual assistant that I spent, you know, a few hundred bucks a month who did a bunch of stuff for me, including managing my email inbox. And that has scaled since to the point where I literally just don't have to check email. Well, lucky you. I Not lucky, I... not lucky, intentional. Sure. Yeah, you made that happen for yourself. How many hours do you think the average person spends an email a week, Alex? Uh, 20 hours. What would happen in your business, Alex, if you were able to take back 20 hours and focus it on the things that would make the biggest impact? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, Jeff. That, that would be like incredible. 20 hours, I mean, four hours, a, four hours. A, You'd be yeah. making every single year if you had 20 hours that were being focused on the handful of priorities that mattered most. Yeah, that's definitely actionable. So we have the list. We have not being reaction-driven, okay? That, this is fantastic. Well, go, go a little further, because I, th- I think this is, this is where it's going to get real for people. Like, I can tell you, Alex, do you mind sharing for you personally, like, how much money you think you could make if you had an additional 20 hours a week to channel? 
on your true priorities? So let's just say, let's just, let's just call it $100 an hour. So an extra $2,000 a week. Email is a $100,000 opportunity cost. Crazy. Are you getting an ROI on your time when you're checking email? I mean, not $100,000. Well, there you go, right? And so now it's just a matter of not to say don't check email. It's a matter of every single moment, there's a list of things you can do. You can do your most important work or you can do everything else. The unfortunate reality is most people go through the day doing all the things that don't matter, hoping to free up time for the things that matter most. Now, the question is, how do you begin to tip the scales in the other direction? Right. How do you start doing the things that matter most first before you earn the right to check email, before you earn the right to sit in a meeting, before you earn the right to help everyone else, which you should help other people? Take care of yourself first. That's that's the habit. And you know, we know the research on how long it takes to build a habit, but but that's what you're talking about. That's the important muscle to create here. There you go. That's fantastic. I love it. Well, Jeff, this plan is super actionable. I love podcasts where we talk about really actionable things uh, and it's very succinct. So I really want to thank you for laying this out for our listeners and uh, you know, how can people get more of this? Sure. So we, uh, we have a podcast called The One Thing, which all spelled out the O-N-E thing. It's also the same as the book, which you can get a copy of the book anywhere books are sold or at the one thing.com. And that's with the number one in the URL. If, if you're serious about getting started with this, I would encourage you to go to the one thing.com and click on free stuff. We've got some, some guides that will help you get into action there. We've got trainings you could take advantage of a uh, whole bunch of different resources. Cool. Well, that's fantastic. Free is always good. And Jeff, this was really fun talking with you. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. I hope you enjoyed listening today. You can always let me know what you think by leaving us a review on iTunes or sending me an email, alex at wallstreetoasis.com. Thanks.